AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your AEW Collision post-show for June 24th, 2023. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Saturday evenings, wherever you may be. Jesse not joining me this evening. We wish Jesse the best. We love Jesse. He's taking care of the family tonight as his wife is working and he's got the kids and he's doing fatherly duties tonight. But he did watch Collision and I do have a message that I will share with you when we get to its segment. A message that I think Jesse's going to want you guys to hear. Just throwing it out there for you. So we'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, I am riding solo tonight. On the AEW Collision post. Some of you may not mind that, but it is what it is, man. Jesse will be back tomorrow with me as we will be covering Forbidden Door together. Uh, I don't know when TK is going to end this show, but uh, we may be looking at a 1 a.m. start time with the amount of matches this man continues to add to the overall show for tomorrow night. But we got Collision tonight. Collision was uh, very good tonight. Was not better than last week's show. Last week's show just had... Uh, an energy that was much needed for AEW. Not to say that Toronto did not bring the energy. They brought the energy tonight. It's going to be even louder tomorrow night. I can't wait for that crowd tomorrow night in Toronto, man, at the Scotiabank Arena for some of those matches that are going down. Holy shit, man. That is going to be one hell of a night for Forbidden Door. But it was not. Real talk, it was not better than last week's show. I did not expect it to be better than last week's show. Usually after the debut episode, things kind of slowly uh, degrade and deteriorate. But if AEW, I said last week, if AEW continues to put on quality programming on Saturday night, you are not going to have a problem retaining the core audience for what this show needs it to be. Now, I know you guys are enjoying Collision so far. Honestly, through two weeks, it's been the best wrestling show the last two weeks, by far. Collision's been the best wrestling show, I think, for your weekly wrestling programming. Uh, That is compared to Raw and SmackDown and NXT and even Dynamite. I think Collision right now, uh, the last two weeks since the debut episode, this week and last week, Uh, They were the best wrestling shows in their respective weeks, no question. It definitely feels like a different show. I don't know what's going on with the people who are running the show, if there's a different team. I don't know if it's the same team that's running Dynamite, but I got to give credit where credit is due. AEW has done an absolutely phenomenal job at differentiating Dynamite from Collision. The differences aren't major. They're not major. 
But the commentary team, I'm telling you, man, you guys are going to get used to Nigel McGuinness. You're going to get used to Nigel McGuinness. You're going to get used to Kevin Kelly. I thought they did another great job this week. I thought they were better than last week. The one criticism I had about last week was that Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness, I don't know if this was because Chicago was just so loud and the way that it was broadcast through the TV. They sounded incredibly low, man. It was like they were on uh, volume three. They should have been at a fucking eight. But I'm glad they rectified that this week. And I thought they were even better than they were last week. The commentary team makes a difference. The presentation of collision with the commentary team is leaps and bounds better than dynamite. Not to take anything away from Excalibur. He does a great job. I think Taz is fucking great as a color guy. But, man, there's just something about Nigel and there's something about Kevin Kelly, man. It really makes me sit there, and when I hear Nigel's voice, it really brings me back to a time where I I loved pro wrestling, man. I was just so in love with what NXT was doing. At points, you didn't even realize it was a WWE product. When Nigel was there, when... Moro was there. It was just fucking beautiful magic together. Just great. And when I hear Nigel, man, I, I just get that. I just get that vibe that you're listening to somebody that organically loves what the fuck he's doing. Honestly, he puts people over in the most natural and organic way, man. When he is on commentary, he just comes through as if he cares. One of the best decisions that Tony Khan ever made was picking him up and putting him on play-by-play slash color commentary. Really. Awesome fucking move. And Kevin Kelly's going to continue to grow on you guys. You know, I love Moro dearly. Moro's my personal favorite. But if you want a second best right now in... uh, Listen, I'm not taking anything away from Michael Cole either. Michael Cole, he's grown into... uh, He's actually aged better. He's aged and kind of fit his role better as he got older. But but Kevin Kelly, man, the way he does it, man, it's like I said last week, it's so effortless. He makes it sound so easy, right? He's got his own natural charisma. He doesn't get over the top. He doesn't, you know, scream at the top of his lungs. He's going to get to a point where you guys are going to really appreciate his work. And the commentary team is a huge part of an overall wrestling presentation. The presentation visually on the show, man, it it just feels... I don't know if it's the colors. I don't know if it's the fact that the show is slowed down. I don't know if it's less rush-rush than Dynamite. But the show definitely feels a lot more contained. The show feels a lot slower, man. Dynamite, it's almost as if you're watching things sped up times two. With Collision... It's like you're watching shit happen in real time and they're taking their time with things. Segments are allowed to breathe. Kevin Kelly's not running through the fucking matches that are coming up on next week's show and at Forbidden Door as as if he's fucking speed reading through it, trying to break a Guinness World Record. Everything just flows. Segments go from one segment to the other. And yes, this is just week two. And yeah, we may be in a honeymoon phase and we're picking out the things that we like and who knows if things are going to go wrong in week three, four, five, six, seven. But if they continue to do what they're doing through week one and week two, we should have no problem making this show the best wrestling show for your pro wrestling week. 
So whatever Tony Khan is doing, man, it's working. It's working big time. The big story tonight was CM Punk in Toronto. He got a uh, less than heroic welcome in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. This is uh, enemy territory for CM Punk. And he got what I am comparing to the 1997 Bret the Hitman Hart heel run where he went into the United States and he got booed out of the fucking building. He went into Canada. He was the hero's welcome, man. He got hero's welcome in Canada. And like we said, man, CM Punk in Chicago, it's easy to book CM Punk in Chicago as a babyface. And Jesse would probably appreciate me saying this, but Jesse was talking about this leading up to this situation. And he had a sneaking suspicion that CM Punk was going to be booed. Now, he wasn't completely booed. He was booed, but there were obvious CM Punk enthusiasts in Toronto. I think it was like a 60-40 split. It was like 60 pro and 40 against CM Punk. But the comparison of cheers and boos really made for a very hostile and fun environment tonight, man. And CM Punk was smiling. CM Punk was going along with it. He was fucking happy. He was, I mean, I I would look at that if I'm CM Punk. I'm looking at that and I'm fucking smiling from ear to ear, man. Fuck these guys. This is exactly why I came back, man. This energy. And he was enjoying it. He was living it up. He had a great match with his boys, FTR, Ricky Starks, Bullet Club Gold. We got the Guns. Really fun eight-man tag team match. Punk, he did more in this match this week than he did last week. I guess the butterflies kind of went away. The nervousness went away. He did a lot more this week than he did last week. CM Punk officially is back in AEW, and he's going to kill it at Forbidden Door tomorrow night. Very much looking forward to seeing what he does in his first one-on-one match tomorrow at Forbidden Door. But that was a great environment, man. And for all the uh, Bullet Club gold, Jay White is buried crowd. I I don't hear those people anymore, man. Where are they? Where are those people? They are very, very quiet as Jay White continues to shut a lot of people up. I voiced my opinion to some people on Twitter. I got blocked because they couldn't handle the fucking truth as always. And they didn't want to hear anybody else's opinion on the matter because their opinion fucking sucks. Jay White is the furthest thing from buried. Two main events on Collision, two main events with CM Punk, and Bullet Club Gold got a win over CMFTR tonight in episode two of Collision. Buried, I have to ask, where? Nobody has any patience. Tony Khan didn't sign Jay White to fucking bury him. Ridiculous. Love it. Shutting people up, making people look stupid, and Bullet Club Gold gets the biggest victory so far since they've joined together and become a thing on AEW television. Tetsuya Naito. What a moment that was tonight. He was brought out to confront Chris Jericho as the six-man tag team match, the trios match, For Forbidden Door is now official. It is Tetsuya Naito, Sting, and Darby Allin versus Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki. I am very much looking forward to that. I would say, outside of the obvious, 
which is Okada and Danielson, Osprey and Omega. I'm probably looking forward to this trio's match in my top three right now at Forbidden Door. Obviously, MJF is up there. Very interested in seeing what my god Jungle Boy has got going on with Sonata. CM Punk wrestling a singles match for the first time in nine months. Should be a very, very newsworthy slash historic show on Sunday night. But Naito makes sense. I know a lot of people are pushing the Goldberg narrative. I think Goldberg, I think everybody kind of understands and realizes that it's going to happen one way or another. I mean, it probably would have made sense here, but not as much sense for the New Japan and AEW Forbidden Door. Naito and Jericho obviously have a history. And in May 2018, Jericho obviously started a feud, attacked Naito, And he won the IC Championship, the Intercontinental Championship from Minoru Suzuki, uh, Naito did. And then Jericho then beat Naito for the Intercontinental Championship at Dominion in 2018. And then he went on to beat Naito's then stablemate, Evil, and retained the IWGP Intercontinental Championship uh, really uh, soon thereafter that. So there is history there with Naito and Jericho, and it's going to uh, reach its next chapter at Forbidden Door. So we got that going on, and I thought that was a, a great moment, bringing him out. Crowd ate that shit up. And I'm looking forward to that trios match on Sunday night. Uh, what I'm not looking forward to is the Tanahashi in ring, just Tanahashi, Wrestling MJF, man, I'm slightly concerned about what Tanahashi brings to the table. Now, obviously, I'm not taking anything away from MJF. I love MJF. And MJF has been delivering banger after banger after banger. So uh, if there's anybody that's going to make a great match out of this, it's going to be MJF. There's going to be a lot of theatrics. There's going to be a lot of heel work by MJF. I'm very much looking forward to what he brings to the table. But let me tell you something, man. I And we'll get to what happened in the match with Swerve, but... Tanahashi, man, it may be time to hang him up. It really may be time to hang him up. He is starting to really wither away into somebody that can barely walk. And it's very concerning. It's not really appealing to watch either. I mean, what else does he have to do in this business? What else does he have to do in this sport? Sure, he loves it. How much mileage is on those knees, I I have no fucking, no clue. But what happened tonight with Swerve, man? Listen, Swerve is going to get his zero-hour match tomorrow at the Scotiabank Arena. And he wrestled a legend on Collision tonight, so good for Swerve. But, I mean, what they did together, I was expecting a lot better. I did not expect fucking Tanahashi to be out there looking like he did tonight. And it actually brought the fucking match down. And believe it or not, we had to sit there and watch him beat Swerve clean with two of the worst fucking knees that I've ever seen. His knees are completely shot dead. And Swerve had to lose clean because Tanahashi has a match with MJF for the AEW World Championship at the Forbidden Door, which they did announce may open the show tomorrow night. And I love that they announced that because it fits right into the MJF narrative of what he thinks about New Japan Pro Wrestling. But man, oh man, that was rough to watch. That was rough to watch on Collision. I get why they used him, but not a good look for Tanahashi tonight, man. Really, 
not a good look. But overall, I thought Collision was a very good show, and we are going to talk about Christian Cage as well. I am already loving what he's doing with that TNT title in the second week. Right now, he's doing more with that title than I think we've seen with the title all year. And I really appreciate them doing something with that fucking title, man, because it desperately needed some sort of traction. And it looks like Christian Cage is getting that championship on the right track. So we will go over everything on Collision tonight, man. I appreciate you guys joining me here on the show. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Hit that thumbs up. We got 1,700 in the venue tonight, man. I would really appreciate if you guys can get as close to 1,000 as possible for tonight's AEW Collision stream right here on OTS. Go check out all the other videos on the channel. We did an extra today talking about the Dave Meltzer story about CM Punk and the Elite's situation being a quote-unquote ticking time bomb and a top star walking out of collision last week because they were not happy with CM Punk. Ridiculous. Give me a break. Go check that out on the homepage right now along with the SmackDown live stream last night, which that was a terrible show. SmackDown was just awful. So if you want to hear a nice epic rant by yours truly, that's live on the channel. Go check that out along with everything else. Get those super chats in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. Memberships are open. As always, become a channel member. Become a VIP right here on Off The Scripts. Jesse and I will be live tomorrow with the Forbidden Door post show. We got a lot happening tomorrow night. Jesse and I will be live to cover it all. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. You guys are going to get your free sample. And all you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. I want to thank them for sponsoring tonight's AEW Collision Post Show. Right here on OTS. Oscar. Hey, JD, love your live stream. I was at AEW Collision. Well, hopefully you had a good time, brother. Hopefully you had a good time. Sinister, I'm going to have to ask you to shut your mouth, brother. This show was not worse than SmackDown. This show was nowhere near worse than SmackDown. I don't know what the fuck you're drinking, but holy shit, somebody flagged this guy at the bar. Give me a break. SmackDown was fucking as offensive as offensive can be. Collision was nowhere near as bad as SmackDown. Tony Schiavone starts the show off tonight introducing... Sting and Darby Allen, but Chris Jericho's music interrupts and Jericho comes out himself. Jericho's out there with Minoru Suzuki. Sammy Guevara was not out there. Jericho told Shivani and the fans to shut up. And Jericho said the fans 
shouldn't pander to him like Shivani does to them. I'm not from Toronto. I'm from Winnipeg, you idiots. Jericho knows how to really be a heel when he needs to be a heel. He said that he and Suzuki were upset because Sting and Darby were taking so long to reveal their partner. He said Sammy Guevara wasn't there because he's miffed that he and Suzuki are so close. They did a secret handshake with each other, and I kind of chuckled at their little handshake because Suzuki shows legitimately no emotion whatsoever. And he's out there doing this fucking funny little handshake with Chris Jericho. Jericho told Shivani he must know who their partner is. Jericho pointed his bat at Shivani's throat and demanded, demanded Shivani reveal what he knows. Well, Darby had no problem telling Jericho who the partner was because he told him on Wednesday that you'd find out Saturday. So I don't know why Jericho is being an asshole and threatening Tony Shivani. Sting and Darby then came out. Sting got a holy shit chant in Toronto. That was beautiful to hear. Jericho told the fans to shut up because Sting was getting holy shit chants. Darby told Jericho to shut up himself because he had something to say. Darby said if Guevara still stands with Jericho come Sunday, he's going to kick his ass just like their tag team partner kicked Jericho's ass at the Tokyo Dome. Fans already knew in Toronto who this partner was going to be, and they started chanting Naito, Naito. And that's exactly who came out, man. Tetsuya Naito came out in a white suit and a cape, and Kevin Kelly, he went over the history of him and Jericho. Naito got in Jericho's face. They exchanged heated words off mic. Jericho and Suzuki left the ring. Jericho was banging his baseball bat on the commentary table, and Kevin Kelly was getting a little rambunctious on commentary. Naito opened the ropes for Jericho to come back in, but clearly he did not. They, they are going to meet in the ring on Sunday night at Forbidden Door in a trios match that I think is going to be a banger of a match on Sunday night, man. So all the rumors leading to Naito today, I've seen some people uncover that Naito was at a autograph signing today in Toronto, and that led people to speculate that Naito was in town and that Naito was going to be the one announced as the mystery partner for Sting and Darby Allen, and that's exactly what ended up happening. So we got Naito teaming with Sting and Darby, and that's the right choice here. I know a lot of people were playing up the Goldberg narrative, including myself. I thought that would have been fun to really uh, see the internet melt down over, but uh, that will come. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Later on down the road, I do think that Goldberg will be at Wembley. I do think that Goldberg will be announced for Wembley for All In. And I do think that he will be joining AEW sooner rather than later. So uh, why not just get the ball rolling on that? Because it's a foregone conclusion that Tony Khan has already stated he's talked to Goldberg. And it's going to happen one way or another. They're very good friends. I don't see Goldberg going back to WWE and Goldberg wants to retire. So Tony Khan would love if that is under the AEW flag. But no Goldberg at Forbidden Door, even though it would have been pretty cool to see him and Jericho in the ring together and Jericho melt down like a little bitch. But Jericho and Naito, I'll take it. I'm looking forward to this match and it's going to be a banger of a trios match at Forbidden Door on Sunday night. Miro. Miro has appeared two weeks in a row on AEW television, man. Who would have thought that we would have gotten to this point? Nobody knew where Miro was. Nobody knew what happened to Miro. Miro wasn't hurt. Miro just didn't like the creative direction that AEW was going in with him. Hopefully that has changed now that he's found Collision as his new home. Miro. Nice vignette by Miro. He says he was in exile for almost a year, and then he was summoned. He says when the coward finally spoke, he was told he would be his favorite champion again. He was told there were blessings in his muscles. He'd never lose again as long as he praised him. He said he realized at that moment that the Redeemer kneels before no man or no God. He said he will now walk alone and be righteous without seeking reward. He said he renounces his God, his gold, and his beautiful wife because he is Miro and he is godless. I guess he's given up on his relationship with God. There you go. Maybe he joins the House of Black and friend. I don't know. But uh, Miro just comes comes off like a fucking beast, man. I mean, he just comes off as... Such a credible threat, a legitimate guy, a star on this show. So I I hope that they have some sort of creative direction for him moving forward. I I don't know what that means. I don't know if we see him on Dynamite or if he's strictly on Collision. But two weeks in a row, Miro, he doesn't need to wrestle every week. I would treat him as an attraction of sorts. You know, stuff like this is great. Getting his point across, great. Getting a vignette out there is great as long as we see him. But I hope that there is some sort of real direction. Last week, he wrestled Tony Nese, and he buried Tony Nese. That's a great reintroduction to Miro and what he can do and who he is and getting his energy back out there in front of the fans. But it needs to be more than that. Miro does not need squash matches every week. Miro does not need to bury local independent talent every week just to get him on TV. There needs to be some sort of direction. What that is right now, I'm struggling to find out and figure out what they got going on with him. But hopefully the creative team knows what they're doing. Because he's way too good to just keep backstage on a vignette and wrestling guys like Tony Nese. He needs to be out there. He needs to be in something substantial. People want to see him. People want to cheer him. And I think it's been long enough. You wasted one full year creatively with Miro doing nothing with him. Let's get on the ball. Let's get that trend rolling and get this man in a substantial storyline. Swerve. Swerve Strickland with Prince Nana. He went one-on-one with Hiroshi Tanahashi. This was the opening match 
to this week's collision. I was looking forward to this, man. I really was looking forward to this. Swerve is great. Swerve doesn't give a shit about us podcasters in the community because we're a little too real for Swerve. But everybody knows that the guy can fucking wrestle. Everybody knows the guy's great in that ring. Everybody knows that he should be holding some sort of championship gold in AEW. Everybody knows he shouldn't have been fired by WWE. He's great. I was looking forward to this match. But the thing is, the last time I, because I don't watch New Japan, for all the New Japan elitists out there, I don't watch New Japan. I get enough wrestling here in the United States where it's consumed the majority of my week. I'm not willingly going to add more wrestling on top of my plate. The last time that I watched Hiroshi Tanahashi wrestle was last year's Forbidden Door. God's honest truth. The last time I saw him wrestle was John Moxley. And I did not think he looked that bad. He looked a little rough around the edges, but I didn't think he looked that bad. Tonight, man, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm never going to doubt, never going to doubt what MJF can do. I know MJF's going to have a very memorable match tomorrow with Hiroshi Tanahashi. He's going to do things in there. He's going to make us laugh. He's going to make us appreciate the level of heel that he is. I'm not worried about that. I think MJF is going to work within the parameters and work within the boundaries to bring out a decent match in Hiroshi Tanahashi. But when I seen him walk down the ramp for tonight's match with Swerve, I I genuinely ask myself, is this guy fit to wrestle? Is this guy fit to wrestle somebody the caliber of a Swerve? Is this guy fit to wrestle somebody on the level of an MJF? for the AW World Championship. The guy's knees are completely fucking shot. Shot. There's nothing there. There is absolutely nothing in between those knees, man. Dead. I don't know how he's even moving. I don't. He's still going off the top rope for the high five flow. He's still fucking trying to do dives and basement drop kicks and he's fucking flipping over the top rope as if he's fucking 15 years younger. I mean, he's trying to do all those things that he used to do with ease. But you just see the struggle in him moving in that ring. Jesse and I were conversing via text during this show tonight and I'm going to read you a text by Jesse. And I can't really sit here and tell you that Jesse's wrong. He says, MJF went over an hour with Brian, and now he's facing a guy that can't even walk straight. I guess that's just me being negative again, though, right? Well, then I said, well, clearly he isn't walking right, so no, you're not wrong. And then he says, it would be more interesting to keep MJF off of Forbidden Door entirely than give him a match with the Kurt Angle of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And Swerve is going to have to lose to this fucking guy. End quote. Then Jesse went on to give me one more text. He can't even climb the fucking ropes. Swerve has to do his best to cover for this guy. End quote. I mean, 
Is Jesse wrong? No, Jesse's not wrong. And for all the New Japan elitists out there, I get that you're very pro-New Japan, but when Tanahashi's moving like that, how much of it is going to really benefit AEW using someone like that in that type of role? I don't know. I don't know. Does MJF need to be on this show? Probably not. Am I, am I glad that he's there? Sure. Sure. I'm not worried about MJF bringing out a good match with Tanahashi. I think they'll do fine. But if you guys thought that what he did tonight with Swerve was a serviceable fucking match, no, this was bad. This looked, it was actually kind of sad. It was actually kind of sad, to be brutally honest with you. And I respect Tanahashi. I respect the mileage he's put on that body. I respect the body of work that he's done, right? You think New Japan, you think Tanahashi. But this was not good. I was expecting a lot better than what we got tonight. Clearly, he's not going to be anywhere close to his fucking prime. And he's not going to be anywhere close to his physical peak, right? But holy shit. The one thing that Tanahashi does have going for him is that he's charismatic as fuck, man. He's got this energy that the crowd loves. He plays the air guitar. He looks like a fucking rock and roll star out there. He's got the look. Fans love it. You look at Tanahashi, he looks like a fucking star. That's the only thing he's got going for him right now. Everything else that he does in that ring, it's not going to be anywhere close to what it is, and it's kind of sad to see it deteriorate. At the age of 47. Swerve comes out. And he's got Prince Nana with him. So we get right into this match. Tanahashi caught Swerve with his reverse cross body before playing air guitar to the crowd. Crowd loved it. Then he takes the air guitar off of his neck and he gives it to Swerve, who then comically plays the air guitar in front of Tanahashi. I thought that was great. And then Tanahashi drop kicked him in the knee. Swerve recovered, hit a head scissor on Tanahashi that sent him out of the ring. More air guitar there. Strickland crotched Tanahashi and grounded him. Tanahashi skinned the cat and took Strickland out to the floor. Strickland caught Tanahashi in the apron, the skirt of the apron, as he did a basement slide drop kick. He had a pump kick. We went to a commercial break, and Swerve was in control as we're back from commercial break. He's working over Tanahashi. Crowd is chanting, go ace, go ace, go ace. Tanahashi cut Swerve off, hit a somersault sent on for a near fall. Swerve avoided the sling blade and hit a rolling face buster for a near fall. Tanahashi caught Swerve in a pair of roll-ups. Then he hit a dragon screw leg whip. Tanahashi hit a sloppy looking sling blade for a near fall of his own. He went up for the high fly flow, but he got caught. With nothing but knees. Swerve got the knees up. Swerve rolled him up for a two count. He then hit a big sidekick, did Swerve, before going back to the top rope. Tanahashi moved out of the way of the Swerve stomp. Tanahashi went to the top again, but lost his footing, slipped off. Swerve met him up there. Tanahashi swatted him down. He falls to the mat to Swerve. Tanahashi's still on the top rope and hits a very nice-looking high-fly flow for the one, two, three. And that was enough to secure the clean victory for Hiroshi Tanahashi over Swerve Strickland on collision. 
Tanahashi's in the ring celebrating. MJF's music goes off. Nobody comes out. Theme music plays for about 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And then MJF appears on the big screen above the entrance ramp. And he's holding the AEW World Championship. He says he wouldn't show up in person. And he said no one is staying in a dump like Canada longer than he has to. He said he told Tony Khan that he would only show up for Forbidden Door if his match goes on first because he didn't want to waste his time watching a bunch of New Japan jabronis. He says he's going to air guitar between Tanahashi's gross, bow-legged knees, and he's, then he's going to shove the guitar straight up Tanahashi's ass. He says Tanahashi is not on the level of the devil. Straightforward promo by MJF. Nothing, uh, nothing over the top. Nothing groundbreaking from MJF. Just got the job done. Simple as best here. And I like the narrative that he played up for himself. He don't want to be at Forbidden Door. He doesn't want to be here. He looks down upon a promotion like New Japan. Calls them an indie fucking promotion. Calls them nothing more than jabronis. He doesn't want to be encountered. He doesn't want to be at Forbidden Door. And the only way he shows up for Forbidden Door, he made a deal with Tony Khan, is that the match goes on first so he can get the fuck out of there. Fits the MJF, MJF character very nicely. Quite perfectly, actually. I like it. Good straightforward promo by MJF here. And I think that they're going to have a decent match. MJF has had fucking three of the best matches anywhere in any promotion all year. He, right now, MJF has the match of the year with Brian Danielson. Match of the year. I'm not putting anything past him when it comes to somebody... Like Tanahashi. Tanahashi's a legend. Tanahashi obviously is still wrestling and obviously can still go. Match will go 15 minutes. They'll have a good time. MJF will do his shit. He'll get out of there. And we'll have a memorable match for the AEW title. Good deal. Andrade El Idolo versus Brody King out there with Julia Hart. Members of the House of Black. I enjoyed this, man. I enjoyed this. This is now week two of Andrade on AEW television. And right now, I can confidently tell you within two weeks of Collision being on the air, that Andrade is already turning himself into the workhorse of AEW Collision, man. This is is why we missed Andrade on television. This is why we needed Andrade back on television. This is why we wanted him to sign with AEW in the first place after getting his release from, or I don't know if he was released. I don't remember if he was released or fired from WWE. Ever since he left WWE, this is exactly why we wanted Andrade signed with AEW. He is turning himself into the workhorse in that ring. For AEW Collision. He's been super impressive since he's been back. He had a fucking fantastic match with Buddy Matthews last week. And he's continuing his feud with the House of Black here this week against Brody King. And I don't know how they're going to go about this with Andrade battling a three-on-one House of Black advantage. Clearly, we can get his... uh, 
his buddies to help. Maybe we get Roosh involved. Maybe we get Preston Vance involved. I don't know. More than likely, Roosh is going to be one of those guys that helps back up Andrade against the House of Black. And I have absolutely no problem with that. If you're going to form some sort of Mexican trio, some Mexican mafia with Andrade, and Roosh is going to be a part of that to battle the House of Black, sign me the fuck up, bro. Sign me up. It's exactly what we've wanted. And the trio's championships, this is the most important thing to me. This is the most important thing to me. The trio's championships looks like it has some sort of story going on around it. Now, the caliber of story that the trio's championships has right now, I mean, I guess that remains to be seen. But the fact that there is some sort of story brewing regarding Andrade and the trio's champions in the House of Black, that is all I ask for. And that's exactly what we wanted. Some sort of direction instead of Random fucking open challenges. Slow it down. Develop a story. Give us some substantial fucking story and lead one week into the other with that story and help it play out on television. We got two weeks of the House of Black and Andrade. What more do you want? Simple. Simple. Andrade. Obviously, you guys know he had a torn pec completely off the bone. He was out for several, several, several months. Came into this match with Kinesio tape on his pectoral area. Andrade and Brody beat the living shit out of one another. This was a physical fucking hoss fight. This was great. He took Brody down with a pair of head scissors. And he low-bridged King to the floor. King got to the apron. Andrade sent Brody into the post. Andrade hit a moonsault over the ring post to Brody King out to the floor. And my God, man, Andrade, the height he got on this moonsault, the fucking flip he got on this moonsault, the momentum of the moonsault took him right into Brody King on the outside. So high he got, came down, and the momentum took him right into the barricade, man. Hit his head right back onto the barricade on the way down. Hopefully he's okay. So we get back into the ring. Andrade's working over Brody's knee before Brody lifted him onto the top rope and chopped him out to the floor. Devastating. Brody continued to chop Andrade down. Andrade fought back with some elbows, but Brody lifted Andrade onto the apron and started giving him what looked to be Sheamus's 10 beats. He did three clubbing forearm shots right to the chest. Andrade drop kicked. Brody into the turnbuckle before hitting a dragon screw in the ropes to continue working on his knee. Andrade continued working on the knee and then hit a running forearm to take Brody down. Andrade hit a big lariat in the corner. The big Meteora in the corner. He goes for a cover. He gets a two count. Brody fought out of a hammerlock DDT. This is Andrade's finish. He fought out of Andrade's finish. Hitting a rolling elbow on Andrade on the top rope. They struggled to get Andrade... Uh, or he struggled, rather, to get Andrade up into a fireman's carry as his knee collapsed. He was continuing to sell the knee. He powered through it and hit a devastating running Death Valley driver in the corner that dropped Andrade right on the back of his fucking head, man. Unbelievable. Brody followed up with a devastating cannonball in the corner. 
basically squashing Andrade in the corner. His knee buckled on a gonzo bomb attempt. Andrade then went for a figure four. He seemed to take advantage of this. But Julia Hart got on the apron and she grabbed his mask, who he's, you know, Andrade's been very protective over that mask. Julia grabbed the mask, jumped on the apron, distracted Andrade with it. And this distraction didn't work as Andrade ducked a rolling lariat and hit a big back elbow, his signature back elbow. He locked on a figure four. He tried to bridge up into the figure eight. So I guess we are now uh, tit for tat here. Andrade can't do the figure eight like Charlotte Flair does, and Charlotte Flair can't do Andrade slipping moonsaults the way Andrade does it. I think we should stop mimicking each other's signature moves. Just going to throw it out there. He hit it on Buddy Matthews last week. It looked great. But a guy on a guy like Bud, uh, Brody King, he couldn't get the figure eight on Brody King because Brody's just a fucking massive, massive human being. So that did not look good. And as soon as he tried to bridge up into the figure eight, Buddy Matthews came out and jumped Andrade. And we got, believe it or not, a disqualification in AEW. We got a DQ ending in AEW. You rarely see a DQ ending in AEW. They beat up Andrade after the bell with Matthews sending Andrade into a Larry before giving him the gonzo bomb. And then from the video screen in the arena, Malachi Black very eerily watched on as Andrade was writhing in pain after his boys did the job on Andrade. Liking it, man. I'm liking what's going on here. Andrade's back two weeks. And like I said, he is proving his worth already, man. This is, I'm watching this and I'm saying to myself, this is exactly why AEW should fully embrace a brand split. I would absolutely advocate for a brand split Talent dedicated to collision. Talent dedicated to dynamite. And they only appear on those shows. And then pay-per-views, you know, WWE does it. They did it, right? Pay-per-views would be, you know, both brands coming together to feature matches from both brands, stories from both brands on pay-per-view. Somebody like Andrade is already benefiting from being on collision. And collision being the true B-show to AEW Dynamite. How difficult was it for Andrade to find any TV time when AEW had two hours of Dynamite and a week time slot with one hour of Rampage? You'd see him on Rampage. You'd see him in some bangers with Sammy and Darby. And you see him in there with Pac, right? On those early episodes of Rampage. But my God, man, he's got his own show. He's got his own brand. And he's already basically showing Tony Khan exactly what the type of talent he is, what type of talent he is, and what type of talent Tony Khan signed by bringing him in. I really wish AEW would go with a dedicated brand split. It would be very easy to split those rosters up, split the championships, put a couple of championships on Collision, put a couple of championships on Dynamite, have the world championship float between both brands. I, I think it would be easy. Tag team championships float between both brands. I think it would be easy. That could make it work. And Andrade is the beacon of that, making it work. Look at the fucking level of work he's done in two weeks. 
Workhorse. More of it, please. Christian Cage. He's out there with Tony Schiavone. I'm loving Christian Cage, man. Christian Cage has been so fucking good as a heel. He's been so good. Shivani's in the middle of the ring and he's introducing Christian Cage and Luchasaurus. Shivani said Christian is home in Toronto. Fans began chanting Christian Cage, Christian Cage. He says he was in a really bad mood when he left the show last week. Wink, wink. Dave Meltzer reported that a top star was in a bad mood leaving Dynamite. This week, because CM Punk was included in the show. Boo-hoo-hoo, cry me a river. So Christian Cage is playing up those rumors by mentioning it here in the promo with Tony Schiavone. So I guess if they're mentioning it on television, it did not happen. And they're making light of the situation. He went home in a really bad mood last week, but he knew in a few short days he'd be back in Toronto with the TNT Championship, and now he's in a worse mood. He said the moment he stepped off the plane in Toronto, he realized this city breeds losers and in turn is populated with losers. He says they are okay with mediocrity, but he is not. So Christian went from having Toronto chant his name to basically calling them losers. The level of heel Christian Cage is, is fucking uh, an absolute joy to watch. It really is. Because the guy knows he's a fucking heel. The guy knows he's an asshole. Everybody fucking shits on him. They hate him. He's one of the best heels that the company's got. He's out there, and all because he's in Toronto... He thinks to himself, no, 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 no. You guys aren't cheering me, man. I'm an asshole. I love to play an asshole. I'm proud to be an asshole. And then he's out there calling his hometown a city of fucking losers so that they boo him. I love it. You cannot look at Christian Cage and not enjoy the body of work that this man is giving us at this stage of his career. Fantastic. Simple, but fantastic. He said the Maple Leafs finally won a playoff round after 20 years. But then they choke in the second round and embarrass themselves. Man, oh man, you really want to get the fucking blood flowing and make that crowd hate you. Talk about their favorite fucking hockey team in Canada and shit all over them. Simple, but effective. He said the only glimmer of hope that they had was when the the Toronto Raptors won the NBA championship He said that was due to one man only, and that was Mr. Leonard. Kahi Leonard? I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correct. He said Leonard is his good friend, and he called him and told him to leave because the other option was staying and carrying the burden of all these losers. He says he had to leave the city to become a champion. I mean, he's just egging it on, egging it on, egging it on. Love it. Christian then said, they're done. Kawhi? It's Kawhi. I don't know, man. I don't watch the NBA. I don't know who the fuck he is. Kawhi? Kawhi Leonard. There you go. 
Thank you for all the grammar uh, teachers in the chat. I appreciate it, man. I don't know what I'd do without you. Pardon me. Kahi. Kahi. Coffee. Kawhi. Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard. There you go. Anyway, Christian says he's done with the open challenges. He said, if you want a title match, you have to scrap and claw to earn it and or scratch and claw to earn it. And he talks about Luchasaurus being his right hand of destruction. You got to earn it like my right hand of destruction did. He says he didn't create the title as some sort of vanity project like the former AEW wrestler. Uh, I think he, like a former AEW wrestler, I think he was alluding to Cody Rhodes here. He says he will take this new title to new places, new heights, and make it the most prestigious title in AEW. I, and then he says, we will remain the face of AEW. I love Christian, man. I'm going to say something here that some of you might not agree with. And I love both of them, so don't make it a WWE versus AEW thing. Christian Cage is doing better work than Adam Copeland. Christian Cage right now, at this stage of his career, is doing better work than Edge. And again, not to take anything away from Edge, uh, Edge is one of my all-time favorites ever. But Christian right now is just completely on a different level. Edge might have started off, obviously, I would say Edge started off ahead of where Christian is because Christian wasn't really doing much with AEW. But as we are getting into the second half of Edge's WWE recent run, Christian is by far and away leagues better than what Edge is doing. Simple. The level of heel that Christian is, the simplicity of Christian and the way he handles himself out there, it, it is it is what everybody who is a young wrestler in this industry right now should be looking at and studying. That's the type of heel Christian is. He gets out there, he gets massive amounts of heat, the fucking way he conducts himself on the microphone, the way he cuts a promo, the way he handles himself, his body language, the fact that he doesn't let anything out there bother him. It's fucking great shit, man. Absolutely great, great heel run by Christian. That title has been doomed for so long. Doomed. Cody, Sammy, Cody, Sammy, Wardlow, Will Hobbs, Wardlow. I mean, you name Darby. You name it. And this title was fucking being flip-flopped back and forth like some cheap fucking hooker. The TNT title was dead. It still is dead. But not with Christian holding it and trying to recapture its former glory. The TNT title... I don't know if you guys are really understanding. The TNT title does not, before this, have a story around it. The TNT title had zero story revolving around it. Maybe you could make a case in point for Samoa Joe and Wardlow, and they cut Wardlow's hair, and Samoa Joe won the TNT title, and he had a great run with it. Samoa Joe had a great run with the TNT title. Don't know why they took it off Samoa Joe. That was the only inkling of a story that the TNT title had. 
And now Christian, in week two, after Luchasaurus is really, Luchasaurus is looked at as the TNT champion. He beat Wardlow last week. But Christian Cage is parading around as the TNT champion. There's a lot of questions in that alone. Christian didn't win the match. Luchasaurus did. Christian Cage is parading around as the TNT champion, not Luchasaurus. And Luchasaurus is just standing there and obeying his master. So is that going to come into play here with Christian and Luchasaurus at some point? Is Luchasaurus going to stand up for himself? He's going to be his own man? Is he, is he going to be his own man and realize that, hey, I won the fucking title. You're carrying around my championship. Or is he just going to be there, stand there, and be subservient to Christian Cage? So there's a little, uh, a little story within the story. But Christian carrying around the TNT championship, already claiming that there will be no open challenges. You're going to have to scratch and claw your way back to the championship. You got to win matches to get a championship. This is simple. It's not breaking any boundaries. It's not fucking some groundbreaking story. But there's a story around the TNT championship floating from week to week to week now. Again, that's all we ask for. I'm tired of open challenges. I don't like open challenges. The open challenge is done to death every week. I don't like a TNT championship being a TV title weekly. I don't. I don't like a revolving door of champions. I don't like someone holding it for three weeks only to lose it and then win it back. Lose it and then win it back. I don't like that we have to sit here and crown Wardlow three-time TNT champion. I don't. That's lame. That's not really what you look at when you look at a champion. We're in a completely different day and age. Champions are having longer reigns now. That's the hot thing. Champions having longer reigns. Champions are remembered for their long reigns. Champions are remembered for what they put into the reign. Not because of the amount of title defenses that they have weekly with open challenges. A challenger here, a challenger there, this guy here. No. Christian is already more memorable than both Wardlow and Hobbs, and he's not even the fucking champion. This reign is already more memorable than both of those reigns combined because they had no story, and this has some sort of direction, some sort of path where they're going. Tell me when I'm telling lies. Tell me when I'm telling lies. It's all we ask for. And Christian is already doing a fucking... He's already... He's already ha- has done a phenomenal job. He's already doing a better job than both Wardlow and Hobbs combined with the TNT title. Nyla Rose. We got an Owen Hart Cup Tournament match against Willow Nightingale. AEW did this beautiful video package highlighting all of the men in the Owen Hart Cup tournament, man. Awesome, awesome stuff. Video aired featuring all of the opening round matches. CM Punk, Samoa Joe, Roderick Strong, Powerhouse Hobbs, Juice Robinson, Ricky Starks, they all spoke in this video package. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. And then Punk talked about wrestling Satoshi Kojima at Forbidden Door. Kojima actually cut a narrated promo. He spoke in Japanese, and it was narrated in English with uh, captions. 
basically saying that he is wrestling CM Punk and he's always wanted to wrestle CM Punk and that he's going to kick CM Punk's ass at Forbidden Door. I'm looking forward to seeing what Punk does one-on-one and the crowd reaction CM Punk gets with 14,000 people on Sunday night compared to the 6,000 that were in attendance tonight for Collision. The ladies... We got this opening round match. Sky Blue has already qualified for the second round. She beat Anna Jay on Rampage on Friday night. Nyla Rose and Willow Nightingale, man. This was uh, this was kind of rough around the edges, man. This was not really all that good. Crowd didn't really seem to buy into it either. This was uh, a rough first round match for both Nyla and Willow Nightingale. But Willow gets the victory here as expected. And she will move on to the second round. Nyla Rose was in control, and she was basically clubbing Willow in the back with some forearms. Nightingale cartwheeled out of an Irish whip and hit an enziguri. Rose cut off a knife-edge chop. They had a test of strength, and Willow turned it into an inside cradle. Nyla bailed out to the floor. Marina Shafir was out there and caused a distraction. This allowed Nyla to send Willow into the steel post. Nightingale started to fight back, and she hit a middle rope dropkick for a near fall. Nightingale could not get Rose up for a powerbomb. This allowed Nyla to hit a suplex and a gourd buster for a near fall of her own. Rose got Nightingale up for the beast bomb, but Nightingale fought out, hit a big pounce, a big Keith Lee-like pounce. Nightingale followed up with the powerbomb for the one, two, three. And Nightingale advances to the second round of the Owen Hart Cup tournament. She's wrestling Tony Storm tomorrow night at Forbidden Door with the AEW Women's Championship on the line. Tony is not losing against Willow. So Willow, as New Japan Women's Strong Champion, she will be taking a loss. After the match, the Outcasts surrounded the ring. And they basically did this to... Uh, Add some sort of heat to the match and get some sort of hype for Tony Storm's match against Willow Nightingale. Sky Blue comes out. She made her way to the ring, and it looks like she kind of botched her way into the ring. She ran out with a steel chair. She got uh, a little too antsy on getting into the ring. She stumbled on getting into the ring. She had a steel chair with her, and she kind of evened the odds by backing up Willow Nightingale against Soraya, who has returned. Ruby and Tony Storm of the Outcasts. Again, not really all that exciting, and uh, this was pretty lame for an Owen Hart tournament match, uh, quarterfinal match. Willow wins. She advances to the second round. Lexi Nair. She interviewed Scorpio Sky, who last week had a vignette talking about his return to AEW, finding a new home on Collision. Sky says it should have felt good about watching all of those highlights of his AEW career last week in the vignette. He should, uh, it should have made him happy. Instead, he said it reminded him that he didn't handle success well since his life was a struggle until he got a big break. I let it control me, Scorpio said. Said he wanted to introduce himself again. He listed his accomplishments But he said he accomplished all of that as a shadow of his former self. He said he'll show who he really is now. Snapped his fingers. I kind of like when he snaps his fingers and the screen goes black. I don't know where he gets that from or what that is, uh, you know, all a part of. But I like it. I like it. 
Scorpio should be uh, a solid addition to Collision. Solid addition to Collision. What they do with him, I don't know. Maybe they throw him into a feud with Miro. Show me what you made of, bro. Can you take down the Redeemer? Maybe he goes after the TNT title again. Maybe he's the one to battle Christian Cage. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what Tony Khan does with the reset of Scorpio Sky. Clearly, he's a talented individual. Again, somebody who lacked creative direction. It's like they knew what the man was capable of, but they didn't know where to take him. It's going to be interesting to see what they do creatively with Scorpio, Miro, Andrade, House of Black, all on AEW Collision. Powerhouse Hobbs. I love Powerhouse Hobbs, man. Powerhouse. Wrong show, I'm sorry. Wrong show, man, I'm sorry. Powerhouse Hobbs, he beats some ninth, a 19-year veteran by the name of Jeremy Prophet, a Toronto local or a Montreal local. Seconds. It's with 90 seconds. Hobbs wins with the big spine buster, and that was basically it. I mean, I get it. Hobbs is a beast. Hobbs is a beast. Hobbs is going to be a odds-on favorite to win the Owen Hart Cup. Will he? I don't know, but it should be used as a tournament to get guys like Will Hobbs over. Those brackets are really going to be something interesting, man. Hobbs is going to win his first-round match, no doubt about it. Ricky Starks, I see him beating Juice. It's the other side that I'm interested in. CM Punk versus Samoa Joe is looking like a semifinal match. That is going to be something else, man. That is going to be something else. You know, I did say the tournament was a little predictable. I don't know. I don't know. Samoa Joe could win the whole fucking thing, to be quite honest with you. It's going to be very interesting, man. When we get to that second round of the men's Owen, it's going to be very, very, very intriguing. Powerhouse Hobbs should be looked at as an odds-on favorite to win that tournament as these types of things should really benefit somebody like Hobbs. 90 seconds, he squashed this guy like a bug. And the main event, Juice Robinson and Jay White with the now official Bullet Club member, Austin and Colton Gunn. The guns are officially in Bullet Club Gold versus CM Punk, FTR, and Ricky Starks. This was great. Ton of action. Really, really, really fun stuff. I enjoyed the shit out of this. I don't want AEW to get predictable. I don't want them to get too comfortable doing uh, multi-man matches in their main event just to include everybody on the show. Oh, let's do a trios match. Let's do an eight-man tag. Let's go back to trios. Let's do a tag team. You know, listen. I'd like to see some one-on-one action in the main event. So we got two big, a trio and an eight-man tag in the main events on week one and week two. We'll see what happens next week with the uh, majority of the men's Owen taking place on collision next week. It should be interesting, but... 
Needless to say, I thought this was a fun match. CM Punk came out, and he got cheers. I don't want to sit here and tell you he didn't get cheers, but he got a large portion of booze. And it's great. I love it. And we all expected this. Punk was cradled in Chicago. He came off as a hero, a returning hometown hero in Chicago. When you take CM Punk out of Chicago, especially after what had happened and all the stories that we had to read in the last nine months, and you put him in a city like Toronto, and you put him in a city like fucking, uh, I don't know, where where are they going? Charleston, North Carolina, or or Newark, New Jersey. You're going to get, you're going to get people who are going to disapprove of CM Punk. Can't do every show in Chicago. I actually love it. And Punk seemed to love it too. He's out there smiling. He was fucking playing it up. He looked like he was happy to be there. I mean, when Punk is out there getting the type of reaction away from Chicago like he got tonight and you start comparing CM Punk to Bret the Hitman Hart in 1997, Punk is going to take that as the fucking pinnacle of a uh, a compliment. He really is. That, believe it or not, Bret Hart is honestly on my Mount Rushmore of greatest ever. Everything Brett did was fucking perfect. Perfect. You cannot find one bad thing that Bret Hart did in his entire career. I would have to say the 1997 run that he had as the anti-American heel, best work that Bret Hart did in his entire career. The best version of Bret that we got ever was that Bret. Heart Foundation, standing there with Anvil, Owen, the Bulldog, Pillman, best Brett ever. I don't want to sit and tell you that Punk needs to go that same direction. He's already got his guys in FTR, right? They're going to have to get used to seeing Punk and being around Punk, getting this split Bret Hart-like, John Cena-like reaction. Make CM Punk a heel, some people say. I don't know. I don't know. Do we really need to make CM Punk a heel? Why don't we just send him out there and have him be fucking... I'm not playing Mr. Nice Guy anymore, CM Punk. Take it as it comes. Go with the flow. Don't make him a heel. Just take it city by city and let CM Punk play it out for that night. Fans love him, babyface. Fans hate him, play it up as a heel. It's easy. I think it's great. Great stuff. This was a fun match. The big thing, obviously, was the reaction CM Punk was going to get outside of Chicago. Clearly, we got that reaction. It was a 60-40 split. Some people were uh, obviously against CM Punk. There was never an overwhelmingly strong, let's go, Punk. Vibe in that arena tonight. It was always mixed, heavy, heavy tonight. And the other big thing was getting Jay White to where he needs to be. Getting Bullet Club Gold where they need to be. Continuing the CM Punk and Jay White collision course. Because I'm very much looking forward to them stepping into the ring together. You know what's coming. So CM Punk's reaction and Bullet Club Gold being treated like main event guys on Collision. 
That was the goal. Get them over. Get them to where they need to be. Continue making them look strong in week number two of collision. So Harwood and Robinson are going at it. And he brings Robinson down. I'm not sure if you guys are aware. Jesse's not here to attest. I'm not sure you guys are aware. But Juice, what is he? Yes, I know. Juice is rock hard. I I don't know. I don't know. I might have to ask him next time I'm at one of these media scrums. Juice, what makes you so rock hard? It's a legitimate question. Nobody knows. Gotta find out the reason. We know it. So, Dax is in there. Takes Juice down with a superplex. And he holds on to it, hitting a powerbomb with Wheeler. Double team. And we got Bullet Club trying to get the advantage on Punk. Punk is in. He was being worked over. Crowd was booing Punk. Punk was trying to attempt to come back here. We go to commercial break, and Punk knocked Jay White off the top rope and hit a big high cross body. Jay White cut off Punk's attempt to get into the corner. Punk whipped White into a big rising knee in the corner. Robinson tagged in. He went for a go-to-sleep on Punk, using his own finishing move against him, but Punk knocked him down with a big high kick. Punk kicked away at the guns and tagged away at Starks. So we got Starks in. Starks got the hot tag. The guns tried to stop Punk, but he basically double-kicked the guns away to make the hot tag to Ricky Starks. Starks ran wild on the guns, hit a tornado DDT on Austin for a near fall. Starks went for the Rochambeau. Match broke down into a huge brawl. Everybody began brawling in and around the ring. White blind tagged in. Starks caught him with a blue thunder bomb for a near fall. Starks set White up for a Rochambeau, but White caught him in a roll up with the tights for a near fall. Starks hits a brain buster. And we go to the finish. Meanwhile, we're getting to the finish. Cash Wheeler is in the ring. Everybody's on the outside. Cash Wheeler gets a fucking full steam of momentum. And when I tell you he did a suicide dive that would fucking make Darby cringe. Holy shit. Cash Wheeler, it looked like he was shot out of a fucking cannon. The way he shot through those ropes, man. If the barricade wasn't outside, Cash Wheeler would have cleared five rows with that suicide dive easy. That's how fast he was going. I legitimately hope he's okay, man. He hit the barricade fucking ridiculous off this suicide dive. White caught both Punk and Starks with Yoranages. Starks came back, ran wild, spears to everybody. He went for a second spear on Jay White. Juice caught him with the left hand of God. Jay White followed it up with the Blade Runner. And that was enough for Jay White to pin Ricky Starks. One, two, three. After the match, White and Robinson threw the Bullet Club gold guns up in the air. And both Austin and Colton were in the ring. And this was like their welcome into the club. They welcomed Austin and Colton Gunn into the Bullet Club And they've officially joined Bullet Club Gold as the show comes to an end. Great. 
Great stuff. Bullet Club Gold has now a solid group. Jay White's got Austin and Colton. I mean, it's a perfect fit. The guns are the perfect fit for Bullet Club Gold. I love it. Juice Robinson is very much on his way to becoming what we need him to be in AEW. I didn't really care about Juice when he got into AEW. I'm like, another another New Japan guy that the crowds don't give a shit about. And, and here he is, man. He's proven a lot of people wrong. All those doubters wrong, man. Juice is finally starting to come into his own. And all those people that said, Jay White is buried. Jay White is buried. I don't believe what AEW is doing with Jay White. I mean, they wanted him to win fucking world championship gold on his second weekend. Why would you do that? This is the best part of watching somebody like Jay White come on into a new company after reaching the heights he did in New Japan. You can't bring him in right away to have him win a world championship or a championship because after he wins that championship, where the fuck does he go? Down. Now he's in. He's wrestled in two main events with CM Punk. He got moved over to Collision with Bullet Club Gold. That's their show. He's shooting with the biggest name in the company. He's got his own faction, the leader of his own faction, a subset of the Bullet Club here in AEW. This is what we like. This is what we value most. Watching him create his own path in AEW to that world championship Jay White is slowly building himself. Instead of bringing him in cold and giving him the same treatment that they gave him in New Japan, he's got to start all over. And when he builds himself up to that point, when he gets to that point, he was in with New Japan here in AEW. It's going to be so great when you finally see the final form, Jay White in AEW. This is great shit. You got FTR, you got CM Punk. You got the tag team titles that Bullet Club can eventually feud over. It's great stuff. I thought this was fun as shit. And then Ricky Starks getting pinned here. Jay White pinned Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks next week has a match with Juice Robinson in the first round of the of the Owen. So more than likely, Ricky Starks, being that he lost here tonight, is going to get the victory next week against Juice. So he's going to go on to the second round against Will Hobbs, and they're going to rekindle that feud as their former two Team Taz members. And then on the other side, we're going to get Ricky Starks, Will Hobbs, Samoa Joe, and CM Punk rounding out the semifinals of the Owen. Some good stuff there. It's going to really make for some great television, man. I thought Collision was a very good show. Was it better than last week's show? No. But AEW, you know, if they keep this shit up, if they keep this shit up, man, Dynamite may be their B-show. Certainly looks like AEW is making collision through two weeks, their A show, because that's the way it's come off to me. Not to say Dynamite's been bad, but collision has been certainly the vibe of it, the feel of it, the look of it, the excitement of it has been more geared towards it being its A show than Dynamite is. I don't know. Anyway, guys, hopefully you enjoyed today's live stream. We're about to get into the Super Chats in just a second. I appreciate you joining me tonight on your Saturday night. I know a lot of people are out and having a good time. It's the summertime. But we got some work to do, man. 
We got work to do, and I'm glad you joined me on your Saturday night. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. I would really appreciate it if you hit that thumbs up, guys. We got 685 likes. Can we get as close to 1,000 as possible? Go check out all the other videos on the channel. Plenty of it over there on the homepage, including last night's SmackDown post. Extras. We were live on Wednesday for Dynamite. Go check all that stuff out. Memberships are open. Get them on in. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. And tonight's show... Is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. Guys, the temperatures aren't the only thing rising this summer. That's right, man. Tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. The best way for me to put it, man, Blue Chew is your long-term booking. Simple. Blue Chew is a unique online service that provides the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable tablets. It comes at a fraction of the cost. It's going to help you in the bedroom, guys, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. You can plan any time, man. Plan ahead, day or night. Be ready whenever that opportunity arises. The process is very simple. You're going to sign up at BlueChew.com. You're going to consult with one of their online medical providers. You're going to receive your prescription within days when you are approved. Best part, it's all done online. No waiting in line, no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and the tablets are made in the USA. They are prepared and shipped directly to you in a very discreet package. That confidence is going to take you guys far, man, so why not give Blue Chew a try? Code JD. At checkout, bluechew.com. If you guys want to know what makes juice rock hard, not like he needs it. Bluechew, code JD, bluechew.com, code JD at checkout. I want to thank them for once again sponsoring the AEW Collision Post right here on Off the Script. Spider Man 99 becomes a new member. Thank you, Spider Man. What the fuck are you drinking tonight, Spider-Man? Lord Jake Coyle with a $2 super chat. Do you still use Chris McKean's song? I loved that. I got it. You know, Lord Jake Coyle, we'll play that for you right after this one, man. Michelle Moran with a $2 super chat. Solid show tonight. Can't wait for tomorrow night and Forbidden Door. Absolutely, man. I am fucking over the moon excited about Okada and Danielson. Holy shit. D-Man with a 499. AW Collision was amazing tonight. JD Punk getting booed was awesome. You loved every minute of it. Forbidden Door is going to be off the charts. It may be the best pro wrestling show of the entire year, man. It was last year. And it may very well be this year. Tony Brown with a 499. He says, delicious Tony Storm. You know it, man. You know it. 
Wild Stallions 77 becomes a new member here in the OTS venue. Wild Stallions, what the fuck are you drinking, brother? What are you drinking, man? Susan D'Ambrosio with 20 months. Today marks two years since my mom's passing. Also, today is my birthday. Forbidden Door will be my birthday present to myself. I'm excited for the Forbidden Door. Susan, happy fucking birthday. Oh, my goodness. Everybody in the chat, birthday cake emojis for our 20-month VIP Susan D'Ambrosio, man. Absolutely. Marquise with a new membership. Thank you, Marquise. Brian Edwards, 20 months. AJD, I'm going to see the Braves on Monday. Have fun, man. They're playing really, really well tonight. Or the, uh, right, right now. This month. They barely won tonight after uh, losing last night where they should have won as well. They should really be winning 10 in a row. But uh, they lost last night to the Cincinnati Reds. Frag dude with 11 months. Yeah. OTS JD, you're the real ace. Thank you, brother, for 11 months. Appreciate you, man. The Jay Caleb Show. $5 super chat. Juice yelling every chance he gets is great. Hypes me up, man. Yeah, Juice is doing his thing, brother. Eric Newton with 18 months. Happy AEW week, JD. Happy AEW week to you, Eric. Forbidden Door tomorrow, Dynamite Wednesday, and then Fight Forever Thursday. I'll take a Crown Royale Vanilla. Guys, we will be live streaming Fight Forever on Thursday on this channel, man. I can't wait. It's going to be fucking awesome. Christopher Smith with 499. Yesterday, I had no Wi-Fi. There was a power outage. My furnace upstairs flooded, and then I watched SmackDown. Collision was cleansing. Cheers, brother. Bro, I'm sorry you had to endure that SmackDown, man. That SmackDown was fucking terrible. Absolutely dreadful. Offensive was that SmackDown. Scott Woodford, four months. Happy Saturday. What are you drinking tonight? Scott, I got my liquid death as always, man. You know me. Spider-Man with a $10 super chat. I don't even know why I come here. I don't know why he comes here either. I may have to dump him. Christopher Smith with 499. Question. What is the one match of Forbidden Door that you think will shock fans? Like being really good but not expected to. Um, I would say Jungle Boy and Sonata. I don't think a lot of people know what uh, Sonata can do, and I think Jungle Boy, a lot of people are looking at him as, like, really, he's the guy that they're putting up against Sonata and challenging for the IWGP world title. I think that match is going to surprise a lot of people. A Watson with 13 months. I'm a CM Punk guy, and that crowd reaction was insane. Another great moment with MJF. Cheers, bro. Awesome show. Hashtag AEW Collision. Thank you, brother. The Jay Caleb Show with five, $5 Super Chat. Where would you rank the guns right now in the current tag team wrestling landscape? Listen, man. Austin and Colton are doing their thing, brother. They're really coming along, man. 
And I think their entrance is cool as shit, man. They got the spotlight on them and they're fucking spitting water out like they're shooting guns. I think it's fuck. It's cool as shit, man. Really fucking cool. Hype Shooter with a 199. Look, JD, I trust you, but are you sure he's rock hard? Uh, Hype, I don't want to know how rock hard he is, but uh, I think we know why he's rock hard. It's not very difficult to tell why. Christopher Smith with a 499. Brody King is so freaking good, he hits very hard. And it looks believable. For a big man, he is explosive, but also sells very well. Yes, Brody King is excellent. Brody King is excellent, man. I thought he had a very good match with Andrade tonight. Cody Snyder with 14 months. Can I get a sarcastic JD, I'm sorry? That's one of your main catchphrases. Those I'm sorry's are the best. Oh, you mean like uh, all the people that uh, look like fucking idiots when Jay White was buried and I was right? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You fucking clowns. Thank you, Cody. Phil. With a 999. Powerhouse is awesome. Andrade is the workhorse of Collision, and seeing Punk in this element was awesome. I love the atmosphere of Collision. It's totally looking like the A show for AW. OTS for life. Phil. If it keeps this up, man, it will be the A show. Loving Andrade's work right now, man. Andrade's looking awesome. And Chris Bell with 14 months in the venue. What's up, JD? I apologize if you've already answered this. But if you played the new Final Fantasy, stay safe, brother, man. I've played the demo. I have not, uh, I purchased the game. I have not played the full game yet, but I got to go through, I think the demo, I think the demo, um, you pick up where you left off in the demo, I believe. I'm not sure, but uh, hopefully that's the case. But yes, uh, when I have time, I will be playing, yes. The thing is, I'm still on Destiny, man. I got I to gotta go for these exotics. I, I need some of these raid weapons. So I'm still very much into Destiny. But uh, I know later in the season, I'll be taking a break from that. And I'll play other games like Final Fantasy and whatnot. But that's the plan. And Phil with an I-99. I personally believe that Jungle Boy and Sonata is in the same spot as OC and Osprey. No one gave OC a chance against Osprey. And it was one of the best matches on the card. Yeah. A lot of people put down Jungle Boy uh, for what he does in that ring, man. A lot of people put down Orange Cassidy, too, which I don't really understand. Orange Cassidy is a great fucking wrestler. You guys need to understand that. Honestly. Anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here, man. Go enjoy your Saturday nights. I'm going to finish up here and get the hell out of here myself. Enjoy your Sundays. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Continue to hit that thumbs up. Try for a thousand likes on tonight's live stream. Go check out the videos on the homepage. And Jesse and I will be live Sunday night, probably Monday morning, for the AEW Forbidden Door Post show right here on Off the Script. Have a great Saturday night, guys. Have a great Sunday. I'll see you tomorrow as we walk through the Forbidden Door. I'll see you guys later. Ah!